You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Great job, Tom. <laughs> you, you nail that every time. I know. I'm getting it down no matter what Susan thinks. Yeah, right? I'm, that's, I'm here to say that he, he's he's doing really good with that opening. <laughs> you know, you screw up once and yeah, you never forget it. So. Yeah. yeah, well, Su- Susan's never forget it. That's for sure. Susan, unfortunately, can't be with us today. So I'm here filling in. I always fill in for one of you guys. I'm, you know what? I'm going to take a vacation at some point. <laughs> Everyone around here is going somewhere. Yeah. You guys were basically on vacation for two days. Yeah, well, kind of, sort of. I'm not sure. There's not a whole lot to do where we were at in Winslow, Arizona, other than stand on the corner. Man, there was so many people. Every time we drove past that corner, there was always somebody there taking photos. It, it's crazy. that We were talking to the chief of police up there. And he said that that corner alone draws more than a million visitors from all no across way. the world a year. Holy cow. <laughs> I know. Just, it's unbelievable. But It's yeah. just what they're known for. That's exactly right. No, but you guys had some trainings. Yeah. That went well. Yeah, we've got some more coming up also. Um, yeah, so both, we did Monday and Tuesday up in Winslow, Arizona. And a few works will be, or sorry, a few weeks will be down in Bisbee, Arizona, another metropolis. So yeah, we're getting some busy month. That's right. Busy yeah. month. We have four trainings down uh, next month in Bisbee. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, again, more vacation, more travel. <laughs> you and Susan, so lucky. Yes, we are. Get to see the best parts of, of the state. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so today uh, we are back with our guests that we had last week. And our guest, Michael King, is back with us. Good morning, Michael. Morning. And for the listeners that may have not heard last week, your background, uh, if you want to give a a rough, real down and dirty background for you, and then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Yeah. Um, Grew up the son of a law enforcement officer, so I got to see a lot of that side. And then uh, spent 23 years in the military, most of that as a Green Beret multiple combat rotations and injuries and everything that kind of comes with having that amount of fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some and, people might not describe that process. as fun, but there's, there, I'm not going to lie. There's parts that are fun. You know, you've yeah. got a snowmobile in the back of a Chinook helicopter and they <laughs> fly up to the side of a mountain and you ride your motorcycle or snowmobile or whatever out the back of the aircraft and, we definitely got to have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's for sure. um, You know, you got all the injuries and uh, recovery that comes along with doing that for 23 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's why we're all here. Exactly. So last week we talked about, um, we touched on all the injuries and stuff and kind of your Mm -hmm. career. Um, Some time that you spent at uh, Walter Reed Medical Center, um, recovering uh from your injuries and stuff um 
but then we talked later after we uh, recorded that and you decided that you wanted to get in a little deeper uh, about how those injuries affected you and what you did and what you didn't do that that helped yeah yeah I, well absolutely i mean if it you know if it helps anyone then it's worth it right you well, know if i can help anyone not go through what i've i've done make the mistakes i made um or even just help them out in general and let them know it is okay to ask for help it you know and yeah, it's absolutely worth talking about everything. Right. And, and that's a, uh, a good point. It is okay to ask for help. Uh, it doesn't mean that somebody's weak or can't do it by themselves or that they should, you know, feel bad or less about themselves in any way. I mean, we all need help. We just have to reach out for it. And that's the tough part. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is because, um, it takes a lot of strength and courage, right? And and to, you know, to reach out to to anyone your your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, girlfriend, just a buddy, a doctor, whomever, and say, "Man, I'm struggling. Right, I need help. Something's wrong." You know, and it, that takes a lot of strength and courage. It does. Something else that I think is hard too for a lot of like special forces type people like yourself, um, first responders is when you're starting to have problems to actually look at yourself and evaluate what's going on with you and recognize that, Oh, you know what? I might not be able to handle this on my own. You know, that's, that's yeah. kind of hard to do to accept, you know? Oh man. It, it was felt like an impossibility. Um, you know, cause I was in total denial. Sure. Like for me, I was in straight denial. I mean, 12 guys on a team, eight of them have been diagnosed with PTSD. I knew that. Somehow I was an exception. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. That's not me. Yeah. I support you guys, man. Call me. Right. Um, but I'm unscathed. Yeah. It happens you to know, the I other guy. I just don't like stupid me. people. I just don't <laughs> right. like this. I don't like every excuse on the planet. And looking back, it's like, oh my God, you idiot. Like, how did you not realize this? Right. Uh, but you don't. Yeah. So yeah, but there, there's a ton of signs and indicators that, yeah, you've, you, you have issues and you need to get help. So what was the, that moment for you, like that epiphany moment for you that just, you just knew in, you know, in your gut that, you know, something wasn't right. Um, I was on my, it was my last combat tour. Um, you know, I had been, uh, spoken to by the chain of command about being a little too violent on the objective, uh, which, you know, violence, violence of action, that's first thing. And exactly. uh, they're like, man, you got to simmer down, dude. You're, you're beating the hell out of dudes. Well, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not getting along with folks and um, you know, my ex-wife, but wife at the time, um, you know, tons of problems there. And uh, I, I called a, uh, a good friend and mentor of mine. He's a Vietnam vet. Um, I think I might have told you about him, Tom. He was doing things in places that we were never technically at. Right. And so, I mean, the guy is amazing. And um, he, we're on the phone, and he was like, Mike, you, you need to go get help, buddy. He was like, 
you're not coming out of this unscathed. None of us are. Right. He goes, I'm getting help. <laughs> and when he told me that, it was just kind of like this light bulb went off on, you know what? I probably should go check out the doctor. I still had some, a bunch of denial. Sure. Because I was positive the doctor was going to tell me that, no, you're fine. You know, <laughs> the wife is just making stuff up, like whatever. Right. Like you're good. Everybody else is wrong. Exactly. Somehow that was still like in my head. Um, but the agreement to, to actually go to the doctor, a lot of it had to do with Gary. Yeah. Here's this Vietnam veteran that like four purple hearts. I mean, just the stories of what Gary went through. Um, and for him to say, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you got problems, dude. Yeah. Like, you're not coming out of this unscathed. It's not natural what we've been doing. That was, that was a huge part of me recognize or just admitting. Yeah. Right. I'll at least go. And, and so I'm not sold on, I've got issues, but I'll go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. He, and he was probably just trying to say, look, Michael, it, you, you're gonna, you are affected by this, even though you don't mm -hmm. realize it. So just accept it and go get help. Yeah. And it sounds real easy. Oh, it does. I mean, it was, that was, it was tough. It yeah. was super challenging. I mean, I knew at the time, like we'd spoken about, I go talk to the doctor, the career's over. Yeah, exactly. And it was. And you um, weren't ready for that. No, not really. I just, you know, I was in that mindset. All I want to do is go to combat. Right. I just want to stay there. I mean, I tried to get the military to move my family to Iraq. <laughs> Um, long story, but you know, my commander was like, God bless you, dude. But no, I'm not moving your family to Iraq so you can spend the days with the kids and the night kicking doors in and grabbing yeah. bad guys. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's just, that's where I was at. It was, I just wanted to stay there yeah, and, um, finish this thing out and see it through to the end. It's not a good idea, but. So what was harder for you? Uh, accepting the fact that you had um, been affected by, you know, your career and you needed to get some help or going through that time when you were getting help and then kind of that realization of how bad things really were. Choking my pride down and yeah. going, actually going. Uh, when I heard those words, you have severe PTSD. Um, and I'd left the doctor's office. I called up a good buddy of mine. I was still in denial. And uh, really, he was the one that helped to sink, sink in. Um, I called Chris up and I'm like, dude, listen to what the doctor just told me. And he's, well, yeah, everybody's known you've had PTSD, dude. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, that's why you have a nickname of Angry Mike. Like, you're a volatile dude. Like, you're great on the objective, but God, you're intense. And it was like, oh, my God, everybody's known. And somehow, and, you know, in the back of your mind, I think you know. Right. You just don't admit. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and, and that's probably, that was the hardest part for me. The therapy part was once I, you know what, they're right. I do have this. Well, this isn't going to consume me because I've already known by that point way too many guys that had committed suicide. And they'd refused to get help and all that. And it was like, you know what, I'm not going to be one of those numbers. So at that point, it was I was all in. What do we need to do, Doc? 
It, and you know, that started the three times a week. Initially, I was three times a week at the uh, uh, talking to the counselor. And what was that? Was that something that was noticed at home too? Like, what was some of the comments that like um, family members or like the wife at the time would say? Did it come from, hey, you're just always angry at the all the time, or you're up, you you seem upset, or like what was some of like their um, their observations? Um, I think at the worst point, I was drinking almost a bottle of scotch a night. Um, I was always angry, always angry. And that would, then that would make me upset. I'd wake <laughs> up, you know, being, this is the calmest I know to be is right and early in the morning. Someone would tell me, man, you're angry. And oh my God, I'd flip out, <laughs> you know, but short tempered, um, you know, driving was kind of a, a difficult thing in a way because, um, you know, you're used to being in Iraq or wherever and, uh, somebody drives up close, close to that bumper. I mean, you're hitting a panic mm -hmm. button because normally you have a, a gunner, they'll just shoot the car or whatever. Right. Um, you know, potholes in the road, trash on the side of the road. Well, those are IEDs where we're at, yeah. um, you know, so driving with me was not fun. Um, you know, road rage was huge. Uh, I had some dude flip me off. So at the, we got to this stoplight, I jumped out the car and just beat the crap out of him. Like just stupid behaviors. Like, so what he flipped you off? Exactly. Like, who cares? Yeah. Well, Blame looking back, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. But at the time, I don't know, no idea why, but I would just, stuff like that would set me off and we end up at the stoplight and he come flying out through his window because I pulling him out and just beating on him and then like not a brilliant idea, uh, but just totally out of control, hmm. just angry, mad. Um, you know, the kids are just trying to have fun, but it would be like hurting my head. Hmm. So then I'm mad at the kids like, go ahead, be quiet. You know, they didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, it was never abusive, like physically, um, but just. I mean, you can't call it anything less than verbally or emotionally abusive. So sure. the whole family and after every single rotation, it was worse. Have you She's like, I'm curious what um, the kids view on this. Have you gotten a chance to kind of like sit down and um, just explain some of your thought process or what you were kind of going through at the time? Um, we're still going through it with the children. It's still, I mean, they're in counseling and it's, um, that's a whole thing. I mean, it's, you know, um, especially my daughter, uh, she's older than my son by four years. So she's been through more Right. and, you know, seeing dad in the hospital or, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and dad's a half a bottle deep into a bottle, you know, and scotch. Um, these are all things that she just, she'll never forget. Yeah, and sure. it's a matter of working through it, and you know, sorry just doesn't cut it. It's way deeper than I'm sorry, honey. You know, right? Uh, but but does she understand? No. I mean, obviously, you've probably been in maybe some of those counselings with her, hopefully. Um, yeah, and you know, you've got to kind of explain your side and and how you were feeling and and you know what happened. So I think her starting to understand why you got to where you were at kind of helps her a little bit. Um, 
do you think that you kind of explaining from your heart, hey, this is where I was at, you know, I, I didn't mean to do this. You think that she's at least accepting of why you were that way and not so much um, just blame on you? A little bit. Um, so kind of yes and no, because it also comes with a lot of questions. Well, yeah. what exactly happened over there? Right. Mm. That's not so <laughs> I don't need to put I don't need to put that nonsense in your head. Yeah. Right. You know, you, why does, you know, so there's, there's a lot of information that I just, I don't share. I'm not going to share. Yeah. You know, why do you need to know about firefights or what happened or, you know, stuff like that. It's just, there's a lot of bad things, honey. It only goes so far and it's just, yeah. I don't. How, how do you explain? I mean, you're 17. I want you yeah. to, to live your life and I don't want you to get bogged down even more with, oh my God, here's all the crap that dad did or saw yeah. or heard smelt all that stuff um yeah watch watch a movie and then multiply it <laughs> yeah you know yeah. Um, because trying to explain war to your 17 year old daughter's got to be pretty tough oh yeah and she's very intelligent but she's 17 yeah well, so I there's only you know brains only develop so much by that point it's it might take years before she's like it finally oh my god you know, and you, I feel like you see this a lot with just this line of work. Like, what do you share with family? I right. find that, um, you know, you guys want to protect family members from, you know, certain information, but you know, you let, because you're not talking about it, these emotions kind of take over. Right. So, so mm -hmm. Michael, my dad, uh, he was, he worked for a police department. And I remember growing up, uh, there's a specific, uh, traffic call that he had it. And essentially, um, well, I mean, I guess going back, I, uh, I crossed the street, not at the crosswalk, right? I just crossed <laughs> and it's not a super busy street, but man, I got ripped apart. I was, I don't know, maybe 13. I got ripped mm -hmm. apart, um, by my dad. And I looked at it. I was like, why is like, there's, there was no cars. Like, exactly. This you is know, not a big deal. Right. Not, you know, I didn't fully understand, but I also didn't know that the night before he had taken a traffic call where this kid's body was dragged by this car. And he, you know, he, he was one of the first officers on scene. I found that out. So I was 13 when, when I got yelled at, I found out the story of, I, probably like six years later when my dad kind of yeah. opened up more about it. But I, I think when you have those conversations, I mean, at least for me, it kind of helped put piece together. Right. But when, when you just see the emotions um, and you don't understand where it's coming from, then you try to, you know, connect the dots that may not go there, you know, such as, Oh, dad's just angry all the time or, you know, he, mm -hmm. I, I'm never, I'm not doing, I'm never good enough or I'm not doing this right. Or, you know, whatever the case is, you know, you're connecting those dots that don't really exist. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, and it's, you know, it's a challenge. Um, when's the right time? How exactly do we say this without, mm -hmm. you know, cause part of the, you know, and it's a realistic fear. Part of the realistic fear, especially for guys like this is how do I, tell you all this stuff and then not have you look at me like I'm some kind of psychopath. Exactly. And it's a real thought, you know, yeah. cause it's like, Holy shit. You know, I start telling my kids about 
killing dudes or whatever. And they're going to be like, Oh my God, my dad is insane. Yeah. You know? And so you, it's a rock and a hard spot. And, um, but that's also where trying to get like family therapy, you know, you need your own individual mm -hmm. therapist getting into family therapy. When's the right time? How much do we say? When do we say it? Um, it can help. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's still aftermath I'm dealing with, you know, today. Um, and, uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge and that doesn't help when the, you know, the demons come because nobody understands what you're going through. Well, you can't, how to have you, what have you said? <laughs> have you said enough? Did you say too much? Right. So it's just another layer of, you know, um, emotion on top when those demons do come. So um, it's, it's a challenge and there's, I don't know. I don't know the right answer for everybody outside of talk to someone. Yeah. I'm, know, seek professional advice and try. I'm curious. Did you know that Gary, uh, was, you know, seeking his own help at the time, before you know, before no. he told you, Nope. I always find it. Interesting. No idea. I always find it interesting. It's like we get empowered by hearing someone else's. It's like, oh, you're going, you're doing that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I guess I can. So it's okay for me to do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When I, once I started going to therapy, I was like, I'm all in. Um, and I probably spent about two months maybe where I was like trying to hide the whole therapy thing. And then I was like, mm -hmm. why? Like, I didn't even realize I had it. Like, I'm going to be open and vocal about it. Were you this hiding it from phone. family or from, uh, from coworkers? Everybody. Well, I mean, the family knew, but, um, like coworkers and stuff like that. I was actually going to therapy. It was like, I was ashamed of it. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, after, I don't know, a couple months that, um, it was probably after I got my evaluation and realized my career. Yep. I was right. Career's over. Well, I need to go ahead and make a stink. Why is this, you know, why are people, hiding this what stop it um you know what's more important a paycheck or your life <laughs> yeah and so that's exactly. when i was just like absolutely i've got multiple traumatic brain injuries i have ptsd what's the big deal yep time to go to my counselor like it and it didn't take too long when i was at fort bragg uh when i did that that um man next thing you know guys are ducking out for appointments <laughs> and it's their own process. Like, oh, yeah, right. I got an appointment. I'm like, every Wednesday at, you know, 10 a.m., buddy, I'm pretty sure I'm aware of what your appointment is. Sure. It's definitely not the dentist. You know? <laughs> yeah. Your teeth so, look pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, dime them out. Right. Um, you know, but it was all of a sudden guys are going in. They're getting checked. They're man, can you believe I have TBIs? Yeah, yeah, actually, I can. <laughs> I can before, believe that. Now, before long, did you guys start comparing, you know, notes? <laughs> um, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Like, hey, man, has this happened to you? Yeah, this has happened to me. Or, no, I don't have that one. You yeah. know, but it started to become a more open dialogue. Right. In the office. Especially awesome. when you have 12 guys on your team and eight of you guys have PTSD. Yeah. I mean, this is after my team team time i was doing admin stuff for the first time in my career and uh so in that office was nothing but you know 
I think like E8 and above. And, um, you know, so we all started talking and it was like, oh my gosh. Uh, but it needs, I think that's the big thing is it needs to be more open and people, we need to talk about it. And especially when the demons come. Right. Now uh, it's the hugest thing. Even, even after you started getting, you know, you, you went to get help. Uh, you realize now that your career is basically over. Um, mm -hmm. but yet you're now, your mindset now is okay. I'm in, I'm, I'm going to get this help. Um, mm -hmm. but just because you started that process didn't keep the demons away though. Right? No, absolutely not. And, um, you know, even, even to this day, all these years later, there'll be times where something happens, you get triggered, you get something and, um, the demons come. Right. And here we go right down that rabbit hole. You're depressed, you're emotional, you're, um, all these emotions start going on. Then your brain starts going crazy, remembering, you know, this guy and that guy mm -hmm. and this situation. Um, and so one of the biggest things, or, or I don't know if it's, yeah, one of the biggest things or takeaway really I got from counseling was it's going to happen. You know, the doctors, I had great doctors. They were very honest. They were like, this is a lifelong thing, mm -hmm. period. Now, therapy will help you get uh, a live a more fulfilling life so you're not so consumed by it and you learn to adapt and recognize uh, what's going on. But it it's going to come up. You know, we call it the demons. People call it whatever they want. Sure. Um, the biggest thing with that is recognizing what's going on, knowing that it will pass, but having that plan of action, calling your friends, your buddy, your counselor, whoever it is, you know, having that, that plan. So when the demons come, you're not alone and somebody's there to, to fight those demons with you. Right. Cause otherwise and like for you before the counseling and stuff, when the demons come, you're reaching mm -hmm. for that bottle of scotch, right? Oh, absolutely. Isolating. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there was there were times I would uh I would go into the closet. We had a walk-in closet. I would go into the walk-in closet and uh, just be laying there on my back. Um, you know, bottle of booze right there. Um and just be kind of like praying to God, will you just let me die? Mm -hmm. Please just, just let me die. Just, Take, yeah. just cause of my beliefs. I just can't do the, you know, commit suicide. I just, just, no matter how bad anything gets, you know, just can't do it. But by God, it was, man, I'd love for a truck to hit me or a airplane to fall out of the sky, anything. I mean, sure. just, I don't want to be here. I want this to end. And, uh, you know, the more I think the more we talk about that and and um, realize that with those that plan of action, you know, I could call any number of guys in my phone. The demons are here, dude. Like, this is not good. And they'll whatever they're doing, they'll drop it. They'll fly from one state to the next, whatever. They're on their way. Right. And I'll do the same for them. And it it's not putting me out. It's not I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I don't. You give me a call and say the demons are here. I'm on my way. Time to fight. Right. 
you know, and, the and whole goal at that point is make it till tomorrow. Yeah. Make it till tomorrow. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's what we want to do for our friends and family. You mm -hmm. know, we, we, if, if you say, Hey, look, I'm struggling. I need, I need some support. I need some help, something, you know, really, when you look at it, your good friends are going to be like, whatever you need, brother, I'm here for you. Oh yeah. Then we'll drop anything. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's actually not, to me, it's not putting anyone out. And that's, that's, I think it's kind of a hard part for a lot of folks to understand is you're not putting anything out or putting anyone out of the way. That's why we're making these offers. Yeah. And, and they're heartfelt. And, Give me and a true. call. Yeah. I mean it. Give me a damn call. <laughs> right. One o'clock in the morning. I don't care when it is. I don't care if I'm in the middle of someone's wedding. I get that phone call or text. Demons are here. I'm up and out. Right. You know, it's, it's time to help someone fight through their demons. Cause I already know that my demons are going to come back. It's just a matter of when and how bad. Sure. You know, it is what it is. And the more you do it, the more you continue with counseling and you're working on that actively working on it, the farther and farther, you know, the longer it goes in between their, you know, the demon visits and they, they last, um, they're shorter in duration. Sure. I mean, there was times it was just days upon days upon days of just, I just want to die. Like, I don't even want to be here. And uh, so you're drinking boatloads of alcohol and which, you know, it's a depressant. So that, that really doesn't make anything better. <laughs> yeah. It makes things um, all much. Yeah. But you're, you're self-medicating. Yeah. You know, you're trying anything, anything at that point. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've used alcohol to help buddies when I've gotten phone calls and they're already drunk. Um, I'm on my way, go pick him up and um, I bring him back to the house, go out to the fireplace and I'll hit the liquor store on the way back. Right or wrong, look, if you're so drunk that you're passed out, you're not putting a bullet in your head. Yeah. So you drink all you want, I'll listen, we'll talk, whatever. You pass out, we'll talk about more tomorrow. Like, let's get over, let's get through tonight or today. Let's worry about tomorrow once we make it there. Now, you know, it's the whole goal. Let's just, we're going to talk about getting you into counselor, but, <laughs> you know, for tonight, you're not doing anything bad. Exactly. You know, you reached out to me and I don't, whatever I have to do, I'll do. Um, I've had some therapists that are like, oh my God, that's the worst idea ever. <laughs> and other ones that were like, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, just whatever it's, we'll make it up as we go, but we're going to be together. Right. And you're going to get them with through. You, you're not going to hurt yourself. Exactly. Yep. So it's, you know, it's the whole goal and, you know, having that open dialogue, I've, I've learned from a lot of my, uh, my brothers that, um, a lot of us have had the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. We've thought about it. I wish I could die. I don't want to be here. Um, all sorts of basically versions of what, you know, anybody would call a suicidal ideation. Sure. Um, but, you know, fought through it. Now, now looking back at everything that you've been through, all the counseling, um, working through your demons, all that stuff. Is there anything um, that would have 
helped in the very beginning to get you to go to counseling earlier. Um, is there any like something that somebody could have said to you that would have made you go, you're right, I need help? Um, or would it be something with the military that if they were doing something that would get more people like yourself to actually go and seek the help? I think, and I would love to see this. And I wrote the uh, SOCOM commander before I got out. And SOCOM is Special Operations Command. Right. So anybody, no matter what branch of the service you're in, if you're in Special Operations, you fall under SOCOM. So I wrote um, the SOCOM commander, and they go long email. It was like my final act before I uh, <laughs> turned in my ID card and, and retired. And one of my suggestions was, I, I know it'll cost a lot of money. It'll be a pain in the butt to start, but we'll save lives. It's putting some form of counselor, whether it's a psychologist, psychiatrist, a licensed clinical social worker, I don't care, but put them at the company level and make it mandatory that every single person will see them regularly. And, um, you know, at first they might just come in there and do the goodwill hunting thing where they just sit there and stare at each other. <laughs> um, but eventually, you know, they're going to gripe and complain and whatnot, but eventually they're going to crack. They're going to start talking and that's where the payoff's going to start. Right. Cause as soon as you truly start talking and you truly start, um, working on things, Oh my God. Like I started feeling better. I was like, Holy cow. Um, and I think that's honestly what would help guys realize one that they do, do need help is simply just put them in there, just put them in there, normalize counseling. Yeah. And that's and a hard thing military, to do. But for right. law enforcement, for uh, fire and rescue, you know, all fire and rescue, you know, anything, anybody in first responder, whether you're EMS, you're a firefighter, make it normal, make it mandatory. You will go see this person, you know, once a week or whatever, um, but you will go see them. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, at first they're going to fight it, but pretty <clears throat> soon it's going to be like, oh, my time to go to the dock. Nobody's going to care. Yeah. You I know. I know. And like there, I know some police departments are starting to do that with like um, some of the more intense um, aspects, you know, like, uh, people that are working sex crimes or child crimes um, or homicides and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's departments now that are saying, okay, once a year you have to go see a counselor or once every six months you have to go see a counselor. But at that point, I, I don't think that's enough either because if I'm only going to go twice a year or once a year, I'm just going to go in there. It's, it still hasn't been normalized. I'm, I'm just going to go in there and say, yep, I'm doing good. I don't have any issues. And I'm oh, going to yeah. say what I have to say. So you're thinking if if it's more on a very regular basis where it's, oh, yeah, today's my day with the doc. Uh, yeah. I got to go see the doc next week, you know, that it's it becomes easier for that person to go maybe even build a, a good rapport with them and start to open up. Yeah, I mean, every other week. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think every other week. Yep, you're going. And and then at that point, everyone would know about it, right? It wouldn't be so much of a secret. And right. 
So I, yeah. I, I think that's good. I think for something like that to happen, they'd have to hire a lot yeah. of clinicians. And I and I I don't mean that from uh because there's so much to deal with. I mean that from to do it properly because for some for to avoid the oh I'm fine talk, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, what you're scared of is is losing losing the job, right? I mean yeah. that that's your identity, yeah. you know, whether police officer, firefighter, you know, what have you, you know that that's your fear is that you're not gonna, you're not going to be allowed to go back to work and do the, you know this thing that you've been doing for X amount of years, and the, and then you you fear losing that identity, and so what needs to happen is they need to hire so many clinicians where they have the time to take appropriate notes because what's happening now is because I've, I've heard it from, um, from friends in the army that they have their, their, they help the clinicians input their notes because these guys are six months behind on their note taking and per HIPAA law, you can keep two sets of notes. And so a lot of this stuff can be kept confidential um and you know you can provide one set of notes to let's say the insurance and give a diagnosis but then another one that's a little more detailed and you keep that for yourself but when you're so backed up and you're seeing so many yeah. clients the likelihood of doing two sets of notes per person is a lot <laughs> so let alone just getting one set of notes right <laughs> yeah no joke yeah but i mean if you look at how many veterans you have out there i'm talking veterans of Law enforcement, firefighter, EMS, not just the military. How many um, people do you think would jump on board if you said, hey, we will train you, we will certify you, but we want you to help out your brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we do at Under the Shield. Yeah. yeah. That, that's I mean, how yeah. we do it. Oh, well, yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, whenever someone wants to talk or a podcast or whatever, I'm like, I'm all in, man. What do I need to do? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a boatload of people, you know, that jump on board. And it's, it's really amazing of how therapeutic it is for us on, on, on our side is like, you know, we're stress coaches for, um, first responders. And when we mm-hmm. get to talk to somebody and help them and get them through those dark times of when the demons come and stuff. That is super healing just for us from what we've lived through and been through. Um, so, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's beneficial to both of us. We, we're we helping ourselves as we're helping somebody else. Oh, yeah, because as you're talking through trying to help them with their demons, there might be some kind of brainiac idea you never thought of that somehow comes out and you're like, oh, my God, I could use that. Exactly. You know, so it's everyone helping everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's like what you, you know, said. I'm not trying to diagnose anybody, but like talk to people and then like, hey man, I'd really recommend having you go talk to this doc. Yeah. Maybe it's a tiered system where exactly. you know that first person they're just talking to, it's kind of like you do. Man, we're not even taking notes. I just want to hear from you. I want to, I want you to talk. Let's get this out. Yeah. And they have a certain amount of training. And then it's okay. We're gonna have you go see this guy or whatever i mean i don't you know clearly don't know that the entire answer or what would be right as far as the best but getting people in to talk start talking to somebody is is normalize it is there like like a peer support system in the military 
I don't know. I've been out of the military for too long, so I'm not sure. Um, you know, like in, in a lot of the police forces um, and fire, they have a, a peer system um, where the peers are there. Um, and, you know, a lot of them call it peer support. Um, where if you're struggling with something, there's, you know, you can go talk to somebody that's on this team, um, you know, and obviously you're only going to go talk to the person that you trust that might be on that team, mm -hmm. you know, but they can kind of, they have a little bit of training. They can kind of talk you through some stuff and give you some guidance. And then, you know, if it's something that they say, Oh, this is beyond me, then they can help facilitate who to go to beyond that. Is there something like that in the military at least for like the SOCOM people, you know, that, that you could deal with, or was it um, not like that? I don't know of it. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Um, I think that says a lot. There, yeah. But therein lies the problem again, if it's a voluntary thing and then everybody knows what you're doing, stigma. Right. Yeah. It's going to turn and, people off. Right. I'm not going there because right. that, that's for guys that need help. I don't need help. Well, and like for the, like our peer support stuff, like in the PDs was um, it was all supposed to be very confidential. So if somebody came to talk to me, I'm not supposed to talk to, you know, my, even my other peers on the team to say, Hey, this is what this guy's yeah. going through. You know, I may talk to the uh, whoever's in charge of the whole team and say, Hey, look, I'm talking with this person. Um, and you know, if, if it's something that I can't handle, then I might, tell them a little bit, but I'm not going to tell them everything that's going on. You know, I might say, yeah. Hey, they're dealing with this kind of an issue. How can I help this person? Or should I seek this counselor or something like that? But there's still that fear is now I, I went and talked to this person. Are they going to keep my confidence? Are they going to go to somebody else and who else in the department's going to find out now? Oh yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if anything, or I don't know of anything, um, but it doesn't mean there isn't. And full disclosure, I mean, I've been retired since 2016. Yeah. A lot of stuff that's changed right. since 2016. So there could easily be something in place. Um, but like you said, um, and that's one of the hard things for the PD too, is there's still that stigma that I'm going to talk to somebody in my department. And... <laughs> That's a hard thing to get over. That's a that's a big mountain to climb, and I think you know in the military it's going to be the same issue. Is uh, now I'm talking to somebody in my unit, so how how many people are else are going to find out about this? Oh yeah, what if they're at a party and they're like, oh check this out? Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, just imagination runs wild. Um, and like I said, I don't I don't remotely believe I have all the answers are even close to, but somehow if we just make it mandatory, right. you will go see this counselor every other week. You know, you can set your clock by that appointment. Yeah. Like, yep, you will be there every Monday at 9 a.m. or whatever. After a while, yeah, it's, you're going to get, you know, people are going to fight you on it. Sure. But after a while, it's going to be just normal. Right. It's my and turn it, to go see the shrink or whatever you want to nickname them. Yeah, it won't what be such a big deal. No. And I bet you a dime to a dollar, you're going to see people just look better. Yeah. When I started getting help, um, 
I'd come back from uh, Walter Reed and one of my counselors, she was like, oh my God, your skin color looks better. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, no, like it looks healthier. Like you were just like a shell of a dude. Yeah. I guess my skin color looked different. Yeah. And um, she was like, oh my God, like you actually look healthier. But think like about your, your skin tone and, and my eyes weren't so like sunk in right. and like all just baggy and and think about everything that you were going through at that time um and all that stress and and mentally how you know you're beating yourself up and all that kind of stuff um so just think about physical physiologically what was your mental state doing to the rest of your body oh yeah and it's it's all interconnected yeah it is everything so now you're i mean you got you got guys with gastrointestinal issues yep. and, you know, they're getting ulcers sure. and, uh, where, where it starts out like with heartburn and then it just spreads and goes crazy on you. Yeah. Into a myriad of, you know, ailments or issues. Yeah. Uh, and as they start getting counseling and start feeling better, of course, you're going to start eating better. You're going to start taking care of yourself better. Yeah. Um, you know, it will reflect on your overall physical well-being. But I never even thought about that <laughs> until she was like, oh, my God. You know, my wife at the time, we had met up with her. And that's when she said it. And um, I was like, holy cow. And I'm looking over at the wife and she was like, she is right. Like, you, you've got better uh, color in your skin. You just look like this super white, like, the kind of guy. Walking dead, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're just, I'm breathing. That was about it. Yeah. If I was breathing, I was like, that's about as good as it gets. Like happiness in general just was eluding me. Mm. Like you'd have little moments of levity. Sure. You know, and as listeners, we kind of, you know, one of the big things as we talk is, is people are listening or, or viewing. Hopefully something resonates like, oh yeah, man, I'll have brief moments of levity, but more often than not, it's no. I'm just breathing. I'm just here. Well, that's a problem. It that's is. a problem, bud. You need to talk to somebody. Like, if you can't find joy and happiness, like, I could see kids doing the cutest things ever. And I'd be like, yep, kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh-huh, they're kids. Like, no. And now, you know, uh, I can see a little video on Facebook or something or see a kid doing something cute. And I'm like, oh, no, that is awesome. You know, and I start smiling and I'm like enjoying it. Right. And I can recognize that, yeah, that for the longest time, that wasn't me. I'd just be like, that kid's laughing. Why? You know? <laughs> yeah. What, what the heck? What is that kid laugh. so happy they're, about? They're happy. <laughs> yeah. What's your problem, kid? That type of thing. Or, you know, I've like, I've been referred to as like this happy, jovial guy these days. And I'm like, that's a long way away from angry Mike that <laughs> was, you know, pretty volatile. Yeah. Um, you know, so hopefully somebody will see this, hear this. It's like, Hey, I am drinking too much. People are telling me I seem angry. You know, I am agitated. I wake up at six in the morning and by 7am I'm exhausted or someone's already told me that I'm, I look like I'm angry. I'm agitated. They can't even enjoy watching their kids play on a playground. It bugs them. Kids yeah. are too loud. It hurts my head. 
you know, people's presence just tends to piss you off. You know, it's that reclusive um, behavior. Yeah. And then the other guy is recluse. The other thing that goes along with that is when you are going through that, you're living in that kind of that lifestyle, because that's how you Mm -hmm. how you evolved is those of you don't realize how much that is affecting your family and your friends. Oh, and the damage that you're doing to mm -hmm. them. And sometimes quite irreparable. Um, Dave Grossman. He's on. He's authored some books on combat, yeah. on killing. Right, on, he's been know. a guest of ours. He's a good friend of ours. Oh, okay. Well, Dave, um, I was listening to Dave one time, and um, Dave was talking about you know PTSD and how it doesn't. Um, it's not just a you thing. This this is a community thing. Like everybody around you is affected by PTSD. Right. Every single person you come into contact it will affect in some way, shape, form, or fashion if you're regularly in contact with them. And they couldn't be more right. Yeah. I mean, when you get diagnosed with PTSD, your entire family's dealing with it. Right. Um, But that's not a thought that's going through your head at the time, though. No, no. Yeah. You know, and it was later on when I, I'd never heard of secondary post-traumatic stress disorder, and I was like, what in the hell is that? (laughs) It's something that your, your family can literally get PTSD from dealing with you that has PTSD words, trigger them actions, the raise of your voice. Um, you know, even at the tail end of my, my marriage, like I would, and I'd be nice and calm or whatever, but I guess my something about my voice tone or how I would say something. And I could see my, well now ex-wife, um, but I could see her face and it would be taking her right back, hmm. right back to when I was at my worst. Like I could see it. It would just boom, trigger her. Um, of course she'd refuse to go to counseling. So you never know. I mean, she was never diagnosed. I can't say she had right. secondary. Um, I had a lot of counselors that were like, mm, we need to look at you. We'd love her to come in. Well, that was, you know, tries to may that was her choice, but it, it's those loved ones. Exactly. The kids, the wife, the, you know, your, your friends, everybody that is in regular contact with you. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all affected. There's times I would do what they call checking out. I would get mad. I'd say something. Um, and it would be exhausting. I'd end up taking a nap. Somebody would ask me about it, and I wouldn't have the slightest idea. Not the slightest idea of what happened. I'd be convinced they're making stuff up. <laughs> like, I think I would know if I said that. No, did you really did? No, I didn't. Yeah. And come find out. Yeah. So if, if the listeners are hearing any of that, they're hyper alert, they're, you know, any of that, at least go talk to someone. It may be nothing, but it's worth talking to someone and seeing um if there is something there, and if you are, you know, military first responder, I hate to tell you, but chances are, yeah, that won't be your only trip to the doctor, <laughs> but you'll feel better. Well, and you'll learn how to deal with those demons. You won't want to, you know, kill yourself. You, because you're going to learn how to deal with all that. Yeah, I think I think understanding. I, I think you guys signed up for this job, and it's just part of the job. But like, 
we talked about it and I we talked about the the statistics and you looked it up last time. Yeah. But it was like, you know, on average, uh civilians see like what was it, three critical incidents one in their and a life. Half, one and a half to two critical incidents in their life. Oh shoot. And like yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then you That's know, in the first ten minutes if you're a police officer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Police, fire, I mean Military, yeah, yeah. right. Because then it says the average twenty-year officer sees, on average, eight hundred critical incidents over that twenty years. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it will affect you. Yeah, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, it is going to. I'm curious. Have uh, has your family listened to Dave Grossman speak? Um, my kids definitely know. I don't believe my ex-wife has, even though I mentioned him and talked about it. Um, but there was a lot of resentment sure. for all the years that, you know, I had PTSD and I mean, we got married. We get see, we got married in May. I finished up a school, you know, becoming a green beret a month after I showed up at Fort Carson for 10th group, I was in country. And so, I mean, I was changing right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah. I, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff and I can't, I'll never take it away from her. Cause I'm sure I said things that were just crappy. Oh, um, yeah. it was never physical, but I guarantee there was just crappy stuff that I said. Um, and so she's got some very valid, you know, uh, resentments there. Yeah. Well, she had to live with angry things. Mike for a long time, right? Oh, Absolutely. You know, and I, I told her when we, we were getting a divorce, I was like, I'll never, ever try to diminish that or take it away. I mean, I I can't even imagine what it was like to be you, you know, on top of everything else, uh, you know, accidentally butt dialing her during a firefight. And, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, a little scary at two o'clock in the morning when all you hear is guns going off Jeez. or, uh, you know, being on the phone with her when we got a, uh, a vehicle born ID at the gate and blew all the windows out. And, you know, so yeah, that's it, already traumatizing. Then you throw on every single time I come back, I'm, I'm a different guy than the guy that left. Right. And it's progressively worse. Well, I asked about Dave Grossman cause, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to hear him speak. Uh, unfortunately it was after, after my dad's death, but even just listening to Dave talk, you know, I feel like I got so much more insight sure. on, I just understood more, like different behaviors yeah. made more sense. Um, yep. I know he has that, the sheepdog book, right. Um, that kind of helps. Have you heard of that book? Mm -mm. So it basically helps illustrate, um, well, he has a couple like children's book, but, uh, one's like why mommy carries a gun or something right. like that. There's a sheepdog book, but it basically talks about, helps illustrate to the families why, you know, there's certain behaviors in just regular civilian life, um, you know, why, you know, dad's always prepared for, you know, any scenario and just like that kind of mindset. Because I used to give my dad a hard time for, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dad, we're oh, going man. to a birthday party at this place. Why, you know, why, like, why do you have to get all your utility bill? Like, let's go. Like, we're running late, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, just like little behaviors like that. But um, yeah, anyways, that's why I brought it up. I think uh, I, I was very fortunate to listen to Dave and 
um, get gain that extra extra insight. I think it goes a long way for families, and that's also why I really like, you know, the trainings we do for yeah. families because that like that's that missing component. Like, fam- I I wish families would really jump on board with some of these trainings because yeah. it is really eye opening. Um, but yeah, I guess it really starts with you guys pushing it out to to the families as well. Right, it does. I mean, like I. After having listened to to Dave Grossman, um, I mean, it was just, wow, holy cow. Yep, he hit the nail on the head with that one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, just education, not just for the person who's going through it, um, but yeah, the family, I agree with you. You know, I mean, it's. Oftentimes you get caught up in the person affected. Well, it's actually affected more people than exactly. that one person. Yeah. They yeah. went through it, but it's affected the whole family. Right. And and our families are the ones that see these even the small changes early. They recognize something's going on, but they don't understand why the changes are occurring or what they can do to help, you know, their loved one yeah. that's going through those changes. And then they're usually the ones that call and make the appointment. And I think that's what, you know, your idea of basically mandating to go see, you know, their, you know, therapist. I think one part of why that would be successful is because at the end of the day, everyone's so used to following like those commands, right? (laughs) Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if if it's a family member calling in and saying, no, you you need this, you're you're doing this or command officer saying, hey, you know, this is this is protocol. You need this or you're doing this. Well, people fall in line, and I think a little bit less argument it comes from it yeah, yeah, yeah. If it comes from the guy or gal that's signing your paycheck, there's going to be a little bit less argument than your spouse. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with me, buddy. <laughs> you know, versus yes, sir, I'll I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, huge fan of that stuff. I really think it's uh you know, immensely uh, beneficial to, to everyone. And, and like you said, you know, the families, families, that's huge. Cause that's, there's a lot of marriages that fall apart because of this yeah, very thing. Exactly. So if, if there's some insight or some kind of advice that you would give, um, you know, a special operator like yourself or a first responder, that's that, they're starting to see themselves that they're, they're having some issues. What, what is your, mm-hmm. what's your biggest advice um, to that you would give, I guess. Probably the first one is reach out to you guys because of the way you do business. You know, just like the guy I referred, you know, I, I've given him your number and I'm right. still hounding him. It's, you know, brother, they don't keep records. Nobody knows, yeah. but you'll feel better. Sure. We'll immediately start feeling better. You know, it might take two, three phone calls. Okay. But you're going to start feeling better, like almost instantaneous. Yeah. Just get it off your chest. Start calling, you know, call you guys. Because I mean, I think the way you guys are doing business is fantastic. Um, it's as safe as can be. Right. You're training, you know, you're trained to help, help guys and gals out, um, doing that and then come up with that plan of action for when the demons come, right. they're coming. 
What am I going to do? It's going to happen. Right. Let's have a plan. Right. What am I going to do besides reach for that bottle of alcohol or that bottle of pills or something? Because mm -hmm. that's not going to yeah. help. Yeah, you know, no. um, and, and that's a big thing for us is we we want to hold that um, in confidence of somebody. You know, we're not going to go out and talk to somebody. No one's going to know that you are here. We don't keep any kind of records of that. And we do that specifically to make you feel better about coming to talk to us you know Man, you're 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 safe exactly nobody knows unless you tell somebody you know yeah. a, a few weeks ago uh, i was working with a first responder and when they were walking in the door i mean you could see him walking up the stair or up the sidewalk to the to our office his head was down he was shuffling he did not want to open that door and and mm -mm. later we were talking and he and he said that he goes, I, I was afraid to walk through the door because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what to expect. But I sat with him, we were here in the office for uh, just over six hours. And when he left, he said, man, I can't believe what a better place I'm in just coming and talking to you, you know, and granted, you know, that was six hours that we spent together, and I would have spent another six hours with him. It didn't matter. I was there with him. And that's kind of what we do is we will work with you because we want you in a better place. We're not going to leave you hanging. We're not going to go, oh, it's been 50 minutes, and we're going to have to pick this up uh, next week. You know, we, yeah. we're going to take the time to work with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can ask Joanna. I think it was a week and a half, two weeks ago now. I spent 10 hours on the phone <laughs> with a buddy of mine. Sure. I was like, I'll spend 24. I don't care. Exactly. You know, um, and that's, that's kind of the, one of the many um, fantastic things about you guys is that there is no time limit. Yep. That's however long we need and there's no paper trail. Yeah. Your job is in no way, shape, form or fashion at Jeopardy. Um, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so and now what's your excuse? Oh, yeah. my job's on the line. No, it's not. <laughs> now what's your excuse? Keep the excuses coming. We can keep we can keep throwing them out. Yeah. Like talk to somebody. And the stretch coaches, you know, have been in those positions. I think that's right. something else that's different because a lot of therapists. Yeah, they, they have no clue. They yeah, they haven't lived it. You know, uh, Tom's had TBIs and he's, you know, he's been an officer. We have firefighters, we have military, they're all stress coaches. I talk to families, you know, I talk to like the children of, of officers because I understand yeah. it. Um, I think that's something that's really unique too. Oh, oh, it is. It's super unique and it's, it's really nice because that way, um, you're initially at least starting off with someone Obviously, they weren't there with you, right? But they have a good idea of what you went through. Yeah, they have similar experiences. Exactly, you can relate. That's automatically a relatable foot in the door. Yep, like that's a fantastic. So, I mean, I, I love it. I'd say, yeah, if I give the best advice is give you, someone like you guys a call. If it's not you, it's, it's somebody. Um, but I, you know, yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing and how you do it. Do that, give you guys a call, and then make a plan of action. Yeah. What am I going to do when the demons come? I agree. That's That can be very valuable, that's for sure. Yeah. 
because yeah, they're coming. Yeah. I mean, you you can guarantee it. It's happening. It's we don't know when or how bad. So what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, have that plan of action because sick and tired of burying guys. Exactly. That's the last thing we all want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming back on uh, again this week and being our guest and, you know, being vulnerable and, and talking about what it's like and what needs to happen from your perspective. You know, yeah. uh, you have valuable insight from everything that you've been through. Um, but we can't thank you enough for being uh, our guest again this week. Uh, man, I appreciate it. It's anytime. Anytime, uh, if it helps save one person, then being uncomfortable telling your story, well worth it. Yeah. Well Pur- worth it. Purpose in your pain, as Susan would say. Exactly. Yep, that's huge. And for our listeners yeah. out there, um, just like you know, you've been hearing us talk, um, if you're living in those dark times, you got the demons coming, they're chasing you, uh, or you're just, even if you're newer in the career field, and you're starting to notice yourself um, experiencing some changes because of this lifestyle, reach out to somebody, reach out to us. You can call us anytime, um, 24-7. Our phone number is 855-889-2348. If you hit extension one on our phone, you will get somebody. Let it ring because it'll ring through to several different uh, stress coaches until the first one that's available can answer. Uh, you will get somebody. Uh, you can also hit extension two, and that'll go directly to Susan Simmons. Um, extension three will go to David Cohen in Alabama, and extension four will come directly to me. Um, that's kind of the hardest part of this whole venture that you might go on is picking up that phone. Um, but that's know that somebody's here, know that we're going to take the time to spend with you to help you work through those things. Um, We're also here for families of first responders and uh, military and veterans. Um, Families, you see the changes. If you don't know who to talk to, you can reach out to us at that same number um, and know that we're going to work with you. We have stress coaches that have a lot of different backgrounds. We're going to find somebody that is closely living or have lived your same lifestyle uh, to let you talk to them so that it, like uh, we talked with Michael, that we've got that similar shared experience may not be exactly the same, but the lifestyle is, is very similar. So we understand what you're going through. Um, Joel, do you have any words of wisdom for us as we, yeah, I would just say, you know, add to that. If you're listening to this, and you feel empowered to share your own story, then please reach out. I, th- you know, I go back to, you know, there's purpose in our pain. Um, can't thank Michael enough for sharing his story, being vulnerable, because I, I can see someone listening to this and relating to it and being empowered to share their story. And, you know, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others the permission to do the same. And so... Again, if, if you're listening to this, you have a story to tell, you, you really don't know who, who you could help. Exactly. So re- reach out. Um, I know that if you want to uh, talk to Susan directly, um, her number is 
3570. You can reach her directly at that number. During the daytime, please text her um, because she might be in session with somebody. She always checks the texts, but she gets to voicemails later in the evening. So call or text her in the day, call at night. You can also reach me directly on my cell phone at 480-861-6574. And you can call or text. If you call and I don't answer, please shoot me a text so I know that I need to check that voicemail. Um, and again, uh, we can't thank you enough, Michael, for um, being our guest for two weeks. Um, and your story is incredible. And I'm, I'm honored to have met you uh, and Joanna and that you guys are shared your story with all of us and our listeners. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I mean, I'll do whatever I can, you know, talk to, talk to anyone. Cause it's, it's, it's very important that we, we all come together and do this, uh, as a, as a community of brothers and sisters, right. You know, let's, let's stop the, the senseless suffering when we can, we can all do it together and it'll be, a lot less burden, burdensome. All right, I'll put you on the spot then. Um, so if we have any military or veterans, especially, you know, somebody uh, in the special forces type community, um, that if they want to talk to you, um, they can feel free to reach us and I can mm -hmm. put them in contact with you. You got my number. I do. All right. Well, thank you again, yeah. Michael. Absolutely. Um, and thank you for all our listeners. And uh, remember, reach out uh, if you're experiencing any issues or trauma. Uh, we can help. If it's something that we can't help you with for some reason, we know who to send you to. We have those connections and those resources. Um, so, again, thank you all for doing what you do. God bless you. God bless your families in this country. Uh, and we will talk to you again next week.